You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Brian McCubbin. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Brian. Thanks for coming on. So uh, we're getting to know you. You recently joined us here at Team Tafosi and iRacers Lounge. Welcome to the team, and uh, we're happy to have you on our show for the first time. So let's start out with our normal questions. Uh, what brought you to iRacing? When did you first hear that word, and uh, what did you do about it? Well, um, like a lot of people, I was a papyrus racing guy. You know, I raced uh, in a couple, in a league in papyrus NASCAR racing 2003 season, and uh, and I was really disappointed when papyrus was going away and. Um, EA kind of gobbled up all the NASCAR licenses, and I kind of was like disappointed because I didn't want to go back to console racing. I didn't think it was anywhere near to the level of what they were doing. So, as soon as I heard about iRacing, I joined up. I, I don't remember where I heard about it. I think a friend told me about it, and that was in November, like 2009. So, I've been in iRacing for 10 years now. Okay, I see that when I look at your profile. You do have a gap, though, uh, between 2012 and 2018. That is correct. Um, I moved to a very rural part of Pennsylvania, and I had some major issues with Internet, one here. And um, so uh, I basically had no, no access to broadband Internet. It was, it was um, my options were satellite, which is terrible for iRacing because of the slow upload speeds. And then um, about two and a half years ago, I tried using a hotspot, and I had heard that that's really not the best thing to use because of congestion, but my the area I live is so uh, sparsely populated that internet traffic's not a bad problem for me at all. And uh, I have been using it for two, over two years and have never had an issue. All right, so you're using cellular to actually race. That's pretty cool. That is correct. And like I said, I've never had any issues with it. Um, I was able to get an unlimited plan, so I'm not paying too much. And uh, I understand the cell phone companies, they throttle back the speeds based on congestion after a certain amount of gigabytes of usage. But mine never drops off. It's just because I live in horse and cow country and they don't use the Internet too much. Now find a piece of wood and knock on it, okay? Correct, yes. Well, if if I ever go, if it ever gets populated, then uh, maybe somebody will bring up real internet here. So until then, I'm happy where, where everything's working right now. Okay, very good. Um, so you're looking at your profile here, your winning percentage on oval, 4.0%, pretty good. Uh, that's on dirt oval, um, excuse me, and your oval is 3.6. So... Uh, how you liking the dirt oval? Uh, I, I love the dirt oval. When I heard about that, I was dying to get back into um, iRacing because it was at the point before I'd got the internet upgrades. Um, 
and I live in central, south central Pennsylvania, which is like the Pennsylvania posse country where I racing or uh, dirt racing is huge. You know, there's dirt tracks all over the place. Yeah, there's as good a drivers in Pennsylvania as there are in the country as far as sprint car racing goes. So when that popped up and I was able to get on iRacing again, I jumped right in the dirt and uh, started started running that right away. Okay, very good. Let's talk about what are you running on iRacing? Uh, are you running official, league, hosted? What, what are you doing on a regular basis? Um, I run a, a league's. With the OBRL, I've been with them for over a year now. Um, I try to run as much as I can with my schedule. Um, I typically make Monday the ARCA races my um, normal stay where I'm, I'm there most often. But I try to pop in on the truck races and the cup races as much as I can. As far as uh, official races go, I dabbled at the beginning of the year with uh, some of the fixed NIS races. Um, I really like doing that. Um, but uh, as uh, when uh, spring came, I got really busy, and it was really hard to keep up with that. But um, things are opening up again, and I'm looking forward to doing some more NIS stuff. And I'm going to keep doing a little bit of dirt racing. You know, I might try some of the uh, legend dirt cars. They're, they're, all, they're a blast to race. So uh, I'll keep a little bit of that in the background, too. All right. Very good. Uh, let's talk about your setup uh, hardware-wise. What do you got for wheels, pedals? computer monitors or are you running vr that kind of thing uh let's see i have um when i first started and uh just before i got my hotspot set up um two things really happened that really kick-started me back into iRacing one was the internet reliability that i was missing and i got my first vr headset the original oculus rift and i thought that was a complete game changer for me uh, the immersion effect for, was so much uh, so much better than what I was using. I was using a single monitor, 19-inch, with a G27. It was basically time Majeski setup, but um, um, the uh, the the um, VR headset really changed it a lot for me. So I really dove deep into eye racing back after that. I got um, a, a four-play racing 80/20 uh, rig. I use uh, all Fanatec stuff pretty much. I have the V3 inverted pedals. I use the uh, DD2 wheelbase and the Club Sport shifter. Um, I run with a, a set of butt kickers, and I use uh, Derek Spears Designs uh, butt boxes. Wow, DD2. What kind of wheel is on that? Oh, I got the uh, NASCAR uh, oval rim. And I also have set aside in case I want to do some, I dabble a little bit into some Skip Barber stuff. I have one of the V2 uh, formula wheels as well. Man, that's a kick butt setup. I mean, the, the inverted V3s uh, alone, uh, I love those pedals. I mean, uh, if you weren't getting like hydraulics, those are the ones to get, right? Yeah, they're, they're great. Um, when I first started upgrading my system, that was the first thing I got was the pedals because everyone told me that is the way to go as far as um, increasing your abilities and, and your results is getting better pedals. So that was the first thing I got. I got the um, I originally upgraded to the uh, Club Sport Wheel 2.5 and um, used that for a while. Um, and I just, uh, the more and more better force feedback I was getting, the more I wanted more <laughs> to get better at it. And uh, and I feel like I had just about reached the limit of what the 2.5 could do. And that's when I went to the direct drive. 
and and it's been amazing ever since then. So, real quick, why the DD two over the DD one? Um, it was really just a matter of um, be honest with you, shipping. <laughs> Fanatec was uh, way behind on their DD one bases, and so it was like either wait a month and a half or get a DD two right away and eat the extra money. And you know, it's you know, it has a little bit better, uh, higher force feedback uh, limits with the twenty five nanometers or newton meters, but. Really, it was just a matter of me being impatient and having not worrying about the extra money. Hey, get the best, you know, might as well. It's the best thing they offer. So, uh, well done on the on the selection on the button box. Uh, you said Derek Spears is that like attached to the, ba- the wheelbase or is that a separate piece? Um, th- you're breaking up a little bit, but if I understand you correct, my the uh, DSD Derek Spears. Uh, Button boxes mounts directly to the podium, uh, podium wheelbase. Okay, yeah, that's what uh, Tony Rochette just got for his setup too. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, it's uh, it's it's all within reach, and uh, you know, being that you're on um, VR the whole time, it's you know, once you get the uh, get the muscle memory for the buttons are not a problem. I run a set of them as well. They're handy. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Same with mine and VR. I, I can't uh, live without it. Yeah, the VR really was the biggest game changer for me. Um, I, like I said, I started with the original Oculus. Um, and then about a year ago when they started releasing the next generation of headsets, I actually um, did a lot of research and wound up going with uh, the HP Reverb headset. Um, and I've been really happy with that ever since. They're coming out with the new G2 generation two of that headset and i've pre-ordered one of those too for when that comes in in the fall they're supposed to be releasing those they have a little bit better optics on it uh better sound and a couple other features that were really nice that i that i want to get wow you're not messing around uh that's pretty cool uh setup you got going uh let's talk about uh another question we always ask uh what has been your most memorable iRacing moment um, well, I guess, I mean, I don't have a marquee wing wins like a lot of you guys do, but, um, I just, uh, your first win, it's hard to, um, it's hard to not be excited when you get your first win in the cars. Um, you know, I, I think to a lot of interviews I've heard with real drivers who say that, you know, you, that iRacing can't reproduce the feeling of those on the edge speed and stuff like that, but that the, that the feeling of competition and um, the thrill of, of winning is the same, and I, I feel the same exact way. And uh, so uh, your first win is always special like that. Absolutely, it certainly is. Uh, I, I definitely remember mine, and the the thrill of victory, so to speak, uh, is is real, even though you know you're you're racing on a computer, but. Um, we think we saw that last night with Brandon Cattell when he won the Firecracker 400. Uh, he had a very emotional uh, interview at the end there, and and uh, you could tell it was real for him. Certainly, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's 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 and, and you know especially when you're not winning all the time like some of those guys do. I'm, I'm sure the 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 thrill of victory um, gets gets a little stale with uh, tons of wins, but you know when you're a guy like me and you're your wins are a little bit spaced apart a little bit more. It's really exciting. Um, so yeah, so that's, and I hope to, uh, I hope my next most memorable moment is going to be uh, doing something really good for Tifosi. 
yeah, so we're going to get you going on the, the NIS Open and uh, get a set under you and uh, and get you to learn how that stuff works and get you on track and see how you do. So, uh, well, welcome to the team, Brian. We're certainly happy to have you uh, on the show and uh, on the team driving for us, too. So, uh, welcome. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, and I'm really looking forward to all this. All right, cool. So, we got... Uh, we got Evan coming on, as usual, to talk about the Coke race. He's not here yet. He'll be here shortly, he said. So let's talk World of Outlaws. Brian, you're going to be our specialist on this. Tell us uh, what you saw this week. Yeah, I figured being uh, in, in the PA Posse country with the dirt being so so cool, I do follow the uh, World of Outlaws sprint cars and late model series. So every week I'd like to talk about what went on. Um, so... Uh, this past Monday was week two at Lernerville Speedway, which um, is fairly new to the service. And um, it's it's really cool because the backside of the track, all down the backstretch, does not have a wall. So if you go too high off the bank, you go right down the, the hill on the backside. So it's a really cool speedway. So uh, coming into the race, Drew Hopkins was the points leader after winning week one last week at Volusia. And... Uh, and at today's race, or Monday's race, Evan C. was the winner of the poll by two thousandths of a second. Um, we, heat one winner was Blake Cannon. Uh, heat two went to Hayden Cardwell. And Heat three went to Kendall Tucker. And Heat four was won by Tyler Ducharme. Uh, Hayden, Castle, Hayden Cardwell passed the pole sitter, Blake Cannon, on lap five. And then winds up stinking up the show. He just blew everyone away, won by 6.2 seconds over Evan C. in second place and Kendall Tucker in third in a 50-lap feature that went caution-free. Yeah, I think I saw this. I had it on while I was doing something else and on the big screen. And, uh, yeah, I saw him, like, running away with it. I'm like, boy, what a race, huh? Yeah, and that doesn't happen too much in the late model series. I watched all the races in 2019. And, um, yeah, nobody ever ran away from anyone. It was always really tight racing, really great racing. And I expect to see a lot more of that coming up. Um, so um, let's see. Uh, uh, Alex Bergeron, the uh, winner of the World Outlaw Sprint Car Series, finished ninth in that race. Um, and he's looking for a double in the, in the late models and sprint cars. And uh, after, after the race Monday, Cardwell takes, Cardwell takes over the point lead over Kendall Tucker by 23 points. And Drew Hopkins, who was the leader coming into the race, missed the feature completely and took a big hit to his championship hopes. So the next race for the Outlaws is going to be Monday night, where they will be at the Bull Ring at Lima Lound Park, which is a small little track. And uh, it's going to be a lot of action on that race. Yeah, I'd love to watch me a little uh, World of Outlaws as I'm getting ready for my stuff. And I uh, just put it up on the screen. And uh been some good racing this season so far. First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR Peaking and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo. Gonna look to the bottom, it is not gonna be enough. And Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Well, Evan Pasoko, you've joined us. Are you there? 
yeah, guys, thanks for having me on again. Well, absolutely. Let's talk uh, Coca-Cola Racing Series, uh, uh, E-NASCAR as we call it. Uh, before the race, we heard uh, about Garrett Lowe. He uh, posted up that he was uh, doing double duty, as he called it. Uh, he was running over at the summer shootout in the Legends car at Charlotte uh, Motor Speedway uh, and then going to run the Indy uh, the indie race for the Coke Series uh, on the same day. So pretty cool. Yeah, he was uh, busy. And I think that, uh, you know, that we talk about it sometimes that, uh, you know, we have a lot of the drivers that have no real life experience. And that's kind of, you know, partially the appeal of the sim. But, uh, you know, Garrett's obviously one of those guys that has quite the uh, the repertoire of the real life stuff. And yeah, it was close. He, he just made it back in time. So it was uh, happy to have him with us. And of course, Garrett's been one of the top guys this year. So uh, points wise, you know, speaking, uh, it's a good thing that he was able to squeeze both races in. Yeah, and he was running uh, up up front there, so yeah, I'm I'm impressed for sure. Um, before we get into the play by play of the race, I want to give a shout out to Justin Melillo, uh, a past guest we've had. He does a great social media on the Coke race. He gives literally play by play of the Coke race as it's going on. He does great writes write ups and recaps, and if you want more information, he's the guy to follow. Yeah, Justin actually came out to uh, our media day back at the start of the year in Charlotte. So, um, you know, we've seen a couple of more outlets, if you will, pick up this series this year, which is super cool. And that's something that iRacing and NASCAR has embraced. So, uh, you know, Speed Sport as well in there. And, and of course, Justin and some of the other people. So, uh, yeah, he was actually out at uh, media day in Charlotte early this year, got to hang out with him and uh, if you can't tune in or even if you just want extra content, I mean, I'm checking Twitter during the broadcast and I'm looking at what he's tweeting in case I missed anything. Uh, he uh, he covers not just the Coke series, but so much uh, of the stuff in the community. So he's he's pretty awesome. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm watching the race, but if I miss something, I can refer to what he's writing to help uh, clarify. So I appreciate that. Justin, thank you. So, uh, you know, clean race off the start, uh, but lap 12, uh, when I started watching, it was all lined up, kind of spread out. It was uh, Conti, Crowder, Leahy, Alfala, Mullis, Lowe, Reynolds, and Clampett. And this is, you know, I guess the, the duality of Indy, because I am a genuine fan of these cars at this track, and I know that not everybody, you know, kind of likes the combination, and especially with this package – is i mean we are single filed out all the cars are still stacked up but it's you know it can get parady early and uh, of course it ended up being a great race overall we only had i think that one caution flag a little bit later on uh in the race but you know this is a race that if if you get spread out it can go green all the way and i don't think we were shocked out that you mentioned those names there up front uh you know i don't think anybody was surprised that you know those were our front runners early Right, and uh, uh, Keegan Leahy was uh, coming forward. He was third there on lap 12. By lap 14, he got the lead. Uh, and then, caution, lap 18. Uh, it was Brandon Cattell, Jake Reynolds, Jake Nichols, I'm sorry, collide off of turn two. Matt Busa and Jeremy Allen get collected. Uh, everybody pits. Yeah, nowhere to go for the rest of the cars involved in, obviously, everybody down at the pit lane. Of course, granted, you know, you do have that little bit of uh, extra strategy, if you will, with, uh, you know, the tire limits and whatnot. But uh, 
the only only the one caution so it didn't end up being a factor for us running down to the end but uh indy has such huge fall i mean the car goes at least on the loose set obviously these guys are on the fixed set sorry um you know these guys obviously on setups that have hundreds and hundreds of laps of practice on them but it can go from loose early to tight super quick so uh you know anytime you're eight nine laps into a run and you and you get a yellow tires was going to be the call so uh i think every single driver came in and every single driver uh uh, took four tires not often that uh, the whole field agrees like that yep uh and that was back to green it was conti leading uh garrett and the uh, garrett low there were a few three wide battles uh, there early but it did stay clean it was really good racing actually uh there was some battling in the back as well uh jarl Tien, a big o save for him but he lost several spots and apparently was pretty upset yeah, there was uh, a lot of actual uh, back and forth on the radio in this one. Um, you know, there was that exchange. Obviously, we saw the uh, the Clampett Reynolds rivalry renew a little bit, and and there were some jabs on the radio back and forth there, and and that's just kind of the intention i think behind the way that these cars run is you're always going to be on top of somebody so you're always going to be upset at somebody and uh you know no no shock that the uh radio chatter was up i think also that might have been you know i think yarl just disappointed uh in how his season's been um so you know now that we are in the second half of the regular season some of those frustrations start to boil over a bit more yeah and then ray alfala takes control at lap 24 I was thinking, oh boy, here's the ratio. He's looking strong uh, early here, and we'll see how he does. But yeah, the he biggest, was kicking yeah, go ahead. Post race, I just want to mention, you know, he thought even that that was kind of his race to win. We're thinking it, he's thinking it, and you know, when we talk about the pit cycle strategy, obviously that makes it up. But uh, I think everybody was thinking the same thing that that Ray was in a great position to win it, and I'm sure he feels like he should have. Uh, you know, if, if the strategy and the execution was uh, a little bit more refined than how it ended up being. Yeah, it didn't work out for him like that. But uh, I think the biggest mover uh, so far was Malik Ray. Uh, he went up 19 spots. Uh, he was 34th to 15th in only 33 laps. Uh, big mover. Yeah, Indy is not a track that I would have thought would have big movers. But I think we had like at least four or five guys uh, that started, you know, in the 30s that finished, you know, top 20-ish or so in this race. So, uh, and it wasn't, you know, because of junk. We only had that one yellow. I think only Busa didn't make it to the end of the race. So um, the draft and obviously maybe guys being aggressive, missing out a little bit in the queue session, which is attached uh, to the actual race sessions or servers for this year, which is, has been nice instead of, you know, back in the last couple of years, kind of bouncing back and forth between them. Um, yeah, I was surprised by how many guys made moves like that. Lap 40, halfway, it was still clean and green. It, the lineup was Alfala, Loa, Lowe, Leahy, Conti, Shearburn, Smith, Ottinger, Bolin. I mean, shout out to Smith for sure for uh, being up there looking good. And Shearburn was looking really good this today. Yeah, we were talking with, uh, of course, uh, Eric's team owner, Jim Beaver, pre-race on the show. And, and Sherbert as well has been one of those guys that, you know, has really good moments in this series and, and is obviously looking to, I guess, convert those into, you know, consistency. And, and tonight was one of them. Didn't start well, but uh, he had a great race. Yeah, lap 47, uh, Ray Pitts from the lead. Uh, several others pit the next lap. Uh, Shearburn pits from second, the lap after that, uh, with many other cars uh, 
coming in. And so the, the green flag uh, stops start happening. Uh, the leader, Keegan, pits on lap 51, uh, some four or five laps after Ray started his. Yeah, and I, I just immediately I thought Ray's was early. Um, you know, we get off of that early caution flag, and I think that, you know, the middle mark would have been, if you wanted to split the run in half, um, you know, it, it would have been, um, you know, kind of 55-ish um, to be kind of halfway between the restart and the end of the race. So, you know, when, when Ray comes in, in in the high 40s, we were kind of surprised by that. And I think that maybe bumped everybody else's pit stops up a little bit because, I mean, we were hammering at home, you know, three seconds of tire fall off. You're going to lose a lot of time. Of course, we saw at the end of the race that having, you know, four or five lap uh, fresher tires at the end did benefit and made up uh, for giving up that time early. Uh, but I think uh, the early pit stop uh, is what, I mean, it put Ray way out in front. But I think, uh, you know, if, if he had waited maybe two, three more laps and then eventually didn't have that contact with the wall later on in the race, um, he's probably in victory lane. Right. Yeah, I, I think that he blinked one blink too fast or something. But uh, a few drivers did stay out, you know, hoping to catch a caution. Uh, by lap 58, uh, it was Blake Reynolds still out. Uh, Ray was in second, though, catching him. And uh, Blake finally uh, pits on 60. But uh, Chris Sherburn was up to second over low. He was gaining slightly on Ray there, and, and it was looking like we might have a, a race for the win up there. But uh, the lead was less than two, two seconds as we get into 10 laps to go. We had all three drivers uh, in quite a good race there. Yeah, I thought it was going to go all the way to the end, and it ended up doing so. Um, you know, when we saw Keegan, uh, you know, make the pass and 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 get up to Ray first, and and of course he and uh, you know going back and forth between he and Shearburn, uh, and I, I didn't, we didn't catch, I guess initially, uh, the bit where Ray Ray caught the fence, and and I can't speak to, you know, how much that actually hurt the car. I think maybe just you know, a whole front straightaway at Indianapolis of losing time after, you know, nicking the wall and having to, to check up, I think might have hurt him more so than the actual damage on the car. Because if not, we were probably lined up to see those three come together closer to five to go than 10 to go. And I think it would have been a little more of a crapshoot at that point. But at 10 to go, obviously it's late. There's still that sense of urgency. Uh, but these guys know how to set it up. And, and Keegan, obviously, when he got into that group, was uh, committed to try to make the pass as soon as he could. Didn't do it first attempt. I mean, he didn't rush it. But, uh, you know, I think he was confident enough that if he could get that car to clean air, that would be enough, uh, you know, to hold off the cars behind him, even uh, those that had some draft helping him out. Yeah, and he got the pass done on the outside of Ray, uh, which is a little unusual for Indy. Normally, it's the inside. But, um and he had those four, you know, four lap fresher tires. And I think that was really uh, helped him, you know, make that happen. But like like you said, it was a nice clean pass for the win. Uh, NASCAR actually put up a really uh, a video uh, on their social media showing it, uh, you know, like from an in-cars perspective. Uh, and uh, pretty cool racing. Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, you know, even when you're too wide. Uh, to get on to somebody at Indy just because like I mean it feels like almost that there's there's no bank you know, obviously it's super flat um, and you mentioned Ray making or, or the pass on Ray being made by Keegan on the outside we saw that a couple of times tonight I think it was Casey or on Tuesday night um, I think it was Casey Kerwin who had mentioned on his stream 
that 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 kind of you know worked in groove of the rubber about a lane or a half a lane up was almost acting like PJ one. I mean, some drivers were actually kind of going a little bit higher to get into that, and you know, I I wasn't driving, so I can't tell you how much it helped, but uh, maybe that uh, assisted because I did catch uh, Casey talking about that, uh, or it was on a stream, but I I was able to see a clip of that post race, so uh, maybe that was uh, by design for Keegan. Also, you know, Ray's on the older tires, car's going to be tightening up. If you can hold him on the bottom, he's going to have to stay out of the ass for longer. Yeah, he got it done, and uh, but at the end there, final lap. Uh, Shearburn was coming. I mean, if he had another lap or two, I, he, he would have got there, I think. Uh, boy, he really made a statement. I mean, he, 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 you know, showing he's one of these guys that can win. Yeah, I think, you, you know, you nailed it. Just one more lap. One lap, two more laps. I still think at the end of that race, Keegan has the better race car. You know, Keegan closed in on him uh, while he was running down Ray. Uh, the best car wins the race. But, you know, in, in Chris's case, at least, he was able to use the draft to stay on him. I think it would have been really difficult for him to complete the pass. I mean, they would have been, you know, swerving all over the place on the straightaway because, you know, Keegan, if Keegan keeps him on his bumper and behind him, he's fine. I think if, if Chris had gotten to the inside, if there was an extra lap or two, then maybe it gets interesting. Uh, but no, Chris, I mean, use the draft as advantage. I thought Keegan was going to get out in front and pull away. Maybe not crazy, but, you know, just stay one or two car lengths up uh, if Chris tightened up. But no, he, he did a great job. And of course, it's a huge night for him because he gets the second place finish and he rockets like four spots up in the points. He's 10th now uh, out of tonight. And uh, that's a huge step forward, of course, not only for him, but Latardi Sports as well, because his teammate Santiago Tires has not had a 2020 season uh, of note, 39th in the points. Um, so so Shearburn kind of bearing the flag for that team, and uh, I'm sure Steve was uh, enjoying that watching it at home. Absolutely. Uh, good to see him running up there for sure. So uh, speaking of the points, uh, Keegan is our leader. Ryan Michael Luza, second. Garrett Lowe, Bobby Zielinski, fourth. Michael Conti, fifth. Ray Alfala, sixth. Nick Ottinger, seventh. Brad Davies, eighth. Ninth, Graham Bolin. And there's Chris Sherburn in tenth. And looking back to, you know, some of our previous races at Indianapolis, uh, you know, obviously, I don't think uh, we were expecting to get uh, the fireworks show that we saw last year. Uh, with cars running out of fuel and, and the race is scheduled for that. I mean, if we didn't have a yellow 80 laps was kind of, you know, in that ballpark. Um, but I thought it was a really good race. I think that it, uh, you know, continues to give us interesting storylines now with seven races left to go uh, in the season. Uh, you know, you're, you're having drivers have good weeks, drivers have bad weeks. There's always people, uh, you know, our tops kind of stable, you know, it's, it's been Keegan there all season, you know, uh, Luza had been up there. He started to trickle down just a little bit, but he's still safe inside of our top eight. And, you know, you got the Zelenskis and the Contis, but our points bubble continues uh, to be incredible to watch. Ray Alfala jumped from ninth in the points to sixth. So he's making gains. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the battle for the playoff spots is going to continue all the way down through the regular season finale. Yeah. And the points are super tight right through there too. So it's going to be uh, fun to watch for sure. 
So what's up next, uh, Evan, with the Coca-Cola series? Well, we're headed out to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and, and this is a track that, of course, one of the uh, the kind of the original ones uh, on the surface. So it's uh, an older scan of, of New Hampshire. It's, it used to be on the calendar uh, basically every single season, uh, but I think we didn't have it two seasons ago. Uh, or so or last season because uh, it is it has kind of fluctuated just a little bit but uh, honestly it's a racetrack that I hate personally driving at which means I'm going to enjoy watching these guys struggle uh, that's another one where you can have exciting races when you got to get those really slow center corner speeds uh, a lack of banking uh, it's a tough track I mean this is going to be one that drivers are certainly putting in uh, a lot more practice at uh, you know say than they're going to be doing uh, for the likes of you know Daytona Vegas and those kind of racetracks uh, uh, you know, more expected uh, later on in the year because New Hampshire is unlike anything else we have on the calendar. And and then after that, we get back up to the bigger speeds uh, with Michigan and then Watkins. I mean, I love this whole second half of the season. I probably, you know, rambled on about it about three times on the broadcast. But, you know, New Hampshire, Michigan, Watkins, Daytona, Darlington, Vegas and Talladega. Uh, through the end of this regular season. I mean, there's so many different kinds of tracks in there. Two of the last four races of the regular season are plate races. It's going to be nuts. It sure is. And uh, as usual, Evan, uh, great uh, broadcast, and uh, you guys are putting on a great show over there. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking racing with us. Hey, Steve. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me jump in here. We'll catch you uh, in two weeks' time. Hopefully, it's a good race to talk about. Hey, Mike, uh, do you mind if I ask uh, Evan a quick question, please? Sure. Go ahead. Evan, um, uh, in the post-race interview, Ray was not happy with uh, Matt Busa, I believe. And uh, in the post-race interview, he was saying that he was distracted by him, and that's why he ran into the wall. Is is that is that what he was trying to get at? I, I kind of heard a hard had a hard time understanding what he was getting at there. Lap yeah, car, so, right? yeah, so I had thought that Ray had gotten into the wall initially just on the exit of four, but he actually just hit the wall a couple hundred feet off of the corner. And I guess Busa, I don't know if Busa was, you know, obviously uh, at the very back of the pack in this one. I guess Busa made a late dive to pit row. We did take an onboard with him. Um, so if I could go back uh, and find that clip, I think we'd see it better. But I wasn't looking for Busa initially. And I think Busa took a late dive to pit road. And Ray said he thought that, you know, maybe he had a, a monitor go out or, you know, something along those lines. He thought that Busa was going to go into the end of pit wall at Indy there. And that's why on the straightaway, I think Ray's looking to his left and he, and he hits the wall. So he didn't just hit the wall, you know, because the car in front of him was slow or because he got tight. Uh, he just didn't know what Busa was doing and it distracted him for that split second uh, that he bounced off the wall. And uh, you can be the, I guess he, he feels like uh, that that may be the reason uh, either just the time lost or the damage that he got, that that's why he partially, why uh, he doesn't end up in victory lane. Okay, got yep. scared and gotcha. Ran himself into the wall. Yeah, we, we took a replay of it, so it's there somewhere. I'd have to go back and double-check. But, yeah, I think he just got spooked, and, and that split second caught him off. Doesn't take much when you're going that fast, man. All right, yeah, it was a good race. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. But uh, looking forward to the next one already. We'll see you then, Evan. We'll see you guys. And Keegan Leahy, for the seventh time in his career, a Coke Series winner. He gets it done at Indianapolis. So when I think of the UNICEF uh, name brand or name here, I think of uh, Halloween time. But it uh, looks like the VCO 
Cup of Nations is going to bring a race for us. Um, going first, going to their uh, Facebook page, um, they've put up a basic, or sorry, going to the iRacers uh, lounge or iRacers.com, iRacing.com page. Um, they have the VCO Cup of Nations uh, minimal information there, and then it goes to the website. But you can have your chance at a glory of uh, a $75,000 or $7,500 prize. Uh, in July here on the 25th and 26th. Now I was reading through a lot of the detail here because it's a uh, there's a bunch of stuff to uh, understand with this. Um, so basically, you can represent your your country in in a, in a turn in an elimination style tournament of 64. Um, it's 64 racers in uh, 16 of the fastest countries. Um, Williams Esports is involved with this as well, um, but I guess they're qualifying it with a hot lap session here. Is that what I'm uh, getting at here, Mike? Well, this opened up. They have a PDF here about it as well. Uh, there is a prize fund. Looks like it's four thousand euros for first place, twenty five hundred for second, thousand for third. So I'll just read here quickly from the one part here. So in a two-lap qualifying session, a four representatives of each of the 16 fastest countries uh, will be decided. Then on the first day of the tournament, the 25th of July, these teams will take, uh, each, take on each other in groups of four. The 10 most successful nations will remain to compete on the 26th of July. Four of these will uh, be eliminated in the semifinals before the final six teams will battle it out for the overall winner uh, winner over four races now it sounds like they're going to do um multiple tracks and multiple car combos as well yep yep all on iRacing and uh yeah it sounds like a pretty uh involved event there's all kinds of semi-finals and qualifying and different things going on so at the bottom here it says a total of 10 different cars from road racing oval racing and dirt racing will be uh in action for this race. Uh, the races will be held at 10 different iRacing tracks. Uh, the cars and circuits will be announced just a few days before the event. Very cool. I'm sure it'll be broadcast. It doesn't say anything about a broadcast, but it looks like a big event, so I imagine it will be. Race Spot will host and broadcast the event. Oh, there you go. So yeah, this will be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see who uh, they ended up uh, you know, in the race. Okay, I got the next one. This is uh, renewing iRacing through Steam. So uh, if you have Steam, you can actually buy iRacing or sign up for iRacing through the Steam service. But if you do, you have to renew through the Steam service. And if you didn't start your iRacing account with the Steam service, you cannot renew with the Steam service. Okay, so they don't mix. And apparently... I saw something on a Facebook page uh, last week where a guy claimed he renewed his iRacing account on Steam for like some ridiculously low price. It was like 80% off or something. And uh, it turns out that he just basically, uh, you know, gave his money away that he doesn't get his uh, renewal that way. iRacing put up a big banner on the front page of their member site about it as well. Well, I wonder who got his money, That even though it was discounted. It went somewhere. Well, 
I think it went to Steam, and Steam will eventually have to give it back to him. It, you know, iRacing wasn't going to honor it is basically what I understood. I think Steam's okay. policy is uh, not to refund. I think they might give credit, though. Well, you, you guys probably don't use Steam, yeah, cause, um, um, but I do. I don't. Through, I, I use it through my headset. VR headset runs through Steam. And I do see um, invitations to uh, join iRacing and such like that. But I, I've always done it through the uh, Internet, so I'll just keep doing it that way. Seems like that's what they want you to do. Yeah, and then support uh, Susan Flint from iRacing. She posted in the forums about it. She said, if you try to renew an iRacing account through Steam, you need to contact Steam. <laughs> and so, uh, but she basically said what I said before, you know, don't mix them, mix them up. So quick poll, how many of us have a mustache at the moment? Beard and mustache. COVID beard. I, I shaved because of having to wear the mask all the time. Um, yeah. The question is, on the uh, new characters, on the classic cars, will there be a mustache? And apparently at some point there will be. They've scanned several different body types and skin tones. Um, and somebody asked if there will be a mustache, and Steve Meyer says, we're working on it. Now, if you look at the pictures that uh, Greg Hill put up on Twitter, uh, he, he's got a, about a dozen different faces here. And uh, quite a variety. In fact, if you look closely on some of them, that you they even have the shadow of a, a mustache, like they need to shave maybe. But uh, what do you think? I, I think I could pick one of these that would probably pass as me. Yeah, I, I think maybe. so too. Yeah, you can you can find somebody close enough to yourself, I believe, in this. But you got to have the mustache, man. So many people are getting on that car wanting to be Dale Earnhardt from 1987. It's, it's got to happen. Yeah, with the open face helmet, it's really visible for sure. So uh, it's kind of cool they're doing this. I, I kind of wonder where they'll implement it. Will it be like in the paint section where you paint your cars, or how will they? How how do you pick it? Or yeah. training paints? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it'd be something that you can access without going to the training paints. But yeah, who knows? I bet you it'll be in the paint booth um, part where we where we have the cars. The um, paint suits and the helmet part, they'll probably just add facial to it. Okay, pretty cool. What about PJ and PB and J? No, PJ1 to iRacing? Oh my god. Yeah, so uh, Brett Baldeck uh, posted on Twitter, when is iRacing going to add PJ1 compound as a truck option? And Steve Myers actually replied, he said, we are actually working on the tech to potentially do this. And, uh, yeah, I think with, with the way that they can do dynamic tracks, it seems like it's something that would be very feasible. But would it be would it be an option when you set up a race, or how would that work? Yeah. I don't like this idea. I, I've never liked it in NASCAR as a fix. I don't think it'll be – I don't think it'll be implemented properly here if either make it a one-grave racetrack or something you can't race on at all. A lot of the rumblings that I hear in 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 race chat as well is uh, there's probably still plenty of work to be done on the damage model and the current tire model as well. Well, the thing with this is I'm okay with it as long as it's matching what NASCAR is doing. Like if if we go to Bristol and it's a one groove racetrack, 
in real life and in the sim. And then they used the PJ1 to make it a two-groove racetrack in real life. Then, yeah, I, I think we should have PJ1 in the sim and make it a two-groove racetrack just because I want the, the grooves and the type of racing to be the same. I want it to be similar. Yeah, I tend to agree that if, if NASCAR does it, then it should try to be in the sim as well. Um, my question is whether NASCAR should do it. Well, that's a whole other story. But as iRacing, try, you know, as their whole thing is they're trying to mimic, you know, what's going on. So I like the idea. I, I like it. Steve Myers has this on his radar and he's working on it. Um, because if NASCAR is doing it, then iRacing should be doing it. So I, kudos. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah. It's like they're trying to evolve the sport, right, Mike? Guess so. Uh, we got a big article here with Mr. Ray Alfala, a full interview with a uh, website called overtake.gg. Never heard of it, but they have a long uh, format interview here. And it's basically a Q&A. And, of course, you know, Ray does an outstanding job representing uh, iRacing, our sport, NASCAR, you know, everybody involved. Uh, he is a true champion. His answers show that. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of neat to read. He's become quite the ambassador for iRacing. And I think it's he's done a really good job with that. Well, as four-time champ, I guess he's earned it, so. When you have those credentials, some people are going to listen when you talk, right? Well, you know, when you get a big magazine that want to interview somebody, you know, who who are they going to call up, you know? So I guess with the... We had a problem here that uh, Lewis Stone had developed here. I guess uh, he's just putting it out there to the community. Um, he started an IMSA race from the pits, and as he left... The pits, he was already a lap down on the first lap. Uh, so I don't, it, he kind of just gives that as the details. He didn't really elaborate. Some of the guys were trying to get some more detail out of him in how it was. And I guess this was a problem before. So Greg West had chimed in. Um, he thought that this had been taken care of, but they want a replay file uh, showing what happened. So they're trying to find the data of maybe to figure out what happened there or if it actually even took place uh, um, with what had happened. Yeah. And uh, so if you could help the, them out with a replay, they're looking for one. If this happens to you, you pull off pit road and you somehow are already a lap down. Yeah. From what I understand, if, if you start the race and your pit stalls behind the start finish line, that's when you would go a lap down as you pass the start finish line. Um, but I think that problem wasn't there if you started in front of the start-finish line. So I guess they just have to clean that up. Yeah, it's probably just something minor in the coding, trying to figure out, like you're saying, where it is on the track. But I know some guys want to, you know, they, they start from the pit to stay safe and stuff like that. But you got to get used to running with people, too. So, you know, one thing, it's nice that they allow us to do this, but... Try and uh, try and not start from the pit if you can. That would be my suggestion. Think about it this way: How many real life racing series encourage you to start from the pit? I mean, that's not acceptable in NASCAR. You can't start from the pits. No, not at all. I mean, it, it seems like just not qualifying would be the better solution. 
Totally agree with you there. Well, even though you get 24 hours to make up for it, you probably wouldn't want to start from the pits at the 24-hour spa event either, which is coming up soon. Surprisingly soon. I didn't realize it was already this time. We just got Le Mans done. Um, it's going to be another standard uh, 24-hour spot. And look at this. There's three time slots. Didn't we talk about that just last week? This is just a reminder. Yeah. No, the remember, race is still happening. I suggested <laughs> three time slots instead of two. They've oh. given, yeah, but they've given their... Uh... They've given a two-hour time limit in case something happens Saturday morning now, David, for the third one. So they listen <laughs> to both of us. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's a good idea. Go ahead and split it up. Uh, it's at Spa. It's going to be on the endurance track, so it has the later start. Got to have a D license 4.0. The time of day, or the sim official time, will be 3 p.m. So you'll be starting right in the heat. Driving through night, ending in the heat. Um, and it, it does mention, like, like I said, it's in the endurance pits because they have to have so many more stalls set up. They start way later down the track, I, I believe after Eau Rouge, or as you're going down down to Eau Rouge instead of and before turn one, which is called La Sauce. So not this weekend, it's next weekend. Mm-hmm. It's the 11th, yeah, so... I have, to, well, I have to start practicing that. Did you find some other ready to go out with or to go on the race with David? I didn't realize it was so quick. I haven't even asked yet. Yeah, I'm out. I'm gone that weekend, so. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out this weekend. I'm heading out in the morning. Um, warm up 30 minutes. A lot of the standard 15 minute qualifying for laps. Weather's dynamic. Sky's dynamic. Qualifying is attached. And it's splitting by I rating. Got to have at least two drivers. 100 incidents is the stop-and-go limit, and 20 every time after that. Um, so it won't be like last time when there was no limit. I hope, for iRacing's sake, sake, that these three slots work work well, because I don't want to be talking about the same problem that we had at Lamar. Yeah, let's hope they fixed it. Um, hopefully learn something. and uh, But I don't think you're going to have the traffic... Uh, as you did for Lamar, it's going to be much less. Now, David, here's another thing. I just so it did get extended the registration, eh? From 60 minutes from the before that instead of the 30 minutes. Yes, it did. That'd be one way to kind of alleviate it. They're not talking about being uh, in the beta UI this time, are they? Not yet. Yeah. When was, we get closer. Yeah, you I was think wondering if they're going to push it. that. I don't think it was on the post the last time. I think it was something they came out with later. It seemed they were pushing the beta for that last uh, Le Mans pretty hard. So I'd be surprised if they didn't do that again. They're trying to work out every bug they can. So the more that they can get people to use that beta, they're going to. Yeah, but at the same time, they said, hey, everybody use the beta. And then the beta failed. So they maybe they they won't press everybody into beta this time yeah and you don't want to test on a big event like that whether it's working right yeah but that's the only event that the only thing that draws more people is the daytona 500 other than that those events are the easiest way to part to get the amount of people that show up yeah there's not really another way to test the infrastructure on you're not going to get 
what is it, two or three thousand drivers to show up for a beta test. Okay, I got the next one. Uh, we got a YouTube video from Donut Media. Uh, they're a big YouTube channel. I don't, I don't really know them, but they have 3.7 million subscribers. But they did a video called All the Insane Drama from Quarantine E-Racing. And uh, I sat down and watched it. It's uh, 17 minutes. And uh, it's a detailed history, basically, from the Springs events in uh, iRacing. Uh, the NASCAR Pro Invitational, they talked about how that came about. Um, he was critical about the resets that were given to the drivers because uh, it led to the people not racing seriously, some of them. Uh, and then he went on to discuss, you know, the Formula One side, uh, specifically Lando Norris and, you know, everything that happened with him, uh, you know, in the Indy 500 race and, and uh, getting wrecked out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he also reviewed uh, the Bubba Wallace rage quitting incident, the Monza Madness race with the Kyle Larson incident. Uh, they talked more about that IndyCar challenge uh, with the Simon and Landon deal, uh, as well as uh, Oliver Askew and Ferrucci at the end of the race. Don't forget that one when they wrecked each other at the line. And then finally, uh, Daniel Apt from uh, Formula E, who got fired for hiring uh, a hired uh, driver to, to race for him in the sim. In summary, he was disappointed that some real racers didn't take it seriously, but overall, it was a lot of positive stuff. There was a lot of visibility on the real drivers, which he said brought out more personality that we didn't know before by being able to see them in their cockpits and see their faces and that kind of thing has really, uh, you know, peaked that personality side of it. And uh, it was it was overall a, a positive video. Yeah, I think uh, Clint Boyer, Boyer probably got himself a TV deal out of that. Yeah, they're working him. So uh, do you guys think after all this is all done and everything, do you think that this – uh, all these bad things that had happened is is that distract detracted from iRacing more than you would have thought going into this? Mm, we've talked about this though. It kept iRacing relevant even if it wasn't like bad news was still some news, right? So the 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 bad is outweighed way more by the good here. Um, and the amount of subscriptions they got from it, I don't believe. I don't believe iRacing has been tarnished, in a subscription no. base wise. I believe it might be tarnished in the fact that calling it sim racing over a video game kind of thing. That topic is kind of still on the edge. But I think subscription wise and getting people to believe that this is something that you can do and have fun with, it, it definitely did its job. Yeah, it definitely kept the, the drivers relevant and accessible on television. Um, my my biggest question would be how how the non-iRacing fan thinks about iRacing after all this. Well, I can tell you that the real drivers didn't help us with that image. When you have Simon Pagano, uh, Indy 500 winner, you know, intentionally wrecking Lando Norris and stuff like that. Yeah, because he thought it was cool, yeah. I just, I think if they're NASCAR viewers and 
they were in and out with this broadcasting that they did and all this all the different series they weren't the market some of those people aren't the market for what we were trying they're trying to do that the, the, the iRacing's market is the the person that wants an experience not a person that's just a casual viewer right i think you're right there yeah um but i would i was hoping that they get a little bit of crossover to like the coca-cola series where there is really good racing and excellent drivers and uh that can be just as exciting to watch as, as a race on sunday afternoon see i think that was you're exactly right there brian they needed to they needed to show what the people that spend their time like it'd be like putting the 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 Ian Askar guys is like having Landon Castles and William Byron's and Garrett Smidley and all them racing all up the front all the time, the way they're, they raced, not the way that things were going in the back. That's what the Ian Askar series would have been like. If people would have understood what the Ian Askar series was and they, and would have gotten a race in there, you're totally right. They would have seen that this isn't just a wreck fest thing. Like it, it it, it just that's where they fell on it where they they could have promoted that series a lot better and i think i don't know if it was a marketing decision not to or it just they dropped the ball yeah cuz when when these uh the t- actual televised races I, I assume are still going on at the end of the season for the Coca-Cola series i'm hoping that they you know people don't just say well you know i know what it's like i saw all the guys in nascar doing it and it was kind of a joke I think NASCAR will present it, you know, effectively, and uh, you'll get NASCAR fans tuning in for those races, I hope. Uh, and I think overall the, the, the image is positive versus negative, but it went both ways for sure. I think if I had to do it all over again and I was the iRacing king, I think you got to have stronger admins up front at the beginning of when the NASCAR boys started racing because we let they let them get away with murder and then that set the tone yeah you're right it, it, it did kind of turn into a wreck fest at that point and you know the, the way that the cautions were thrown and stuff like that just didn't make sense to an actual NASCAR racing fan right but you got to remember everything came together real quick the coronavirus thing was very fluid at that time. And I don't think, you know, people had time to plan this out effectively. Everyone just did what they could do and, and it was what it was. And all right, let's keep moving. Uh, we got a rally cross exploit apparently. Yeah. And I, I, I should, uh, see if this actually works. I don't know if they're at that, uh, track this week for, uh, any of the rally cars, but it sounds like the pro two, light trucks they were having a problem at phoenix um so a driver can cut the dirt section that goes through the parking lot on the asphalt uh, and only receive a slowdown penalty but the penalty is still not slower than taking the dirt portion of the track um apparently they've experienced this in a bunch of different cars um so and apparently the actual slowdown by the time you uh, just if you just drive normal the slowdown goes away. So I don't know. Um, it looks like uh, was it Michael Breath? He's uh, asking for a video to show it um, for a staff member. 
Interesting. Yeah, I think the slowdown has to be higher than it is to stay on the dirt. That's for sure. I don't know if I've raced this one on the dirt yet, rally side yet. I haven't raced all the rally tracks yet, but it's an, it's the short course too, so it's not really a long lap. Well, it's actually kind of hard to stay on the dirt for me anyway on this because there's pavement on either side. The dirt's fairly narrow, and uh, it's easy to go off of it, obviously, if you're like me. And uh, there are slowdowns there, but that's the point, is a slowdown isn't enough. To... So what they're going to do, and I I can just see it, they'll just put the tire barriers around it. That's what they should do. Just make it so that there's an object to hit that'll screw up your lap. Well, I remember when they first released this track, there were tire barriers everywhere. And, and uh, if you look now, they're all gone. So you're damned if you do iRacing and damned if you don't? Yeah, we'll see. Our next item is Logan Clampett buying a sim rig. Pretty nice one from Sim Seats. He said, decided to join the club, and he put up a picture of his uh, order form, I guess. Yeah, and then if you look at a few of the replies, you can see some of them already set up. Uh, it's definitely a nice-looking rig. I don't think that's uh, an eighty twenty, is it? No. It's like a heavy sheet metal kind of metal stationary kind of rig. Yeah, and the guy that uh, the guy that on that most recent reply, Tom Morano, he's definitely a VR user. Nice rig for Logan. Let's jump into uh, this week's big event, the Firecracker 400, put on by uh, Landon Castle and Parker Kligerman. Um, and it, what they called the most anticipated show of the summer, it's been a multi-week qualifying and racing event, all leading up to this Wednesday night. Now, I watched a good chunk of this before we ran last night at Indy. Uh, I didn't see the end of it, but... I was impressed. I, I was, man, it was some good racing. Uh, but before the race, uh, we, we had some preview videos. Uh, what do you guys think of the, the videos that iRacing put up? Uh, we had even Winston Kelly doing some audio work on it. They splice in some old, uh, you know, Firecracker 400 stuff from the 80s. And, uh, and uh, what a mix. Yeah, they do excellent work on that kind of stuff. It's it's really really professional, professionally done. Yeah, they're showing pictures of Dale Earnhardt and Daryl Waltrip in the garage, and then they cut to the virtual '87 Cup cars. They show 344 people were entered in the event. Uh, you know, whittling it down to 43 that will race and one will win. It's like. To be honest, it reminds me of some of the Days of Thunder footage, uh, the way that they've shot the images too, right? It does. It almost has. Uh, e even when they show the the text, it has that Days of Thunder look to it. Yep. Yeah, Days of Thunder slash Fast and Furious, I think, modern twist to it. And there was another one on Instagram the day of the race. Uh, I don't know if it was the same video or a different one, but... Uh, lots of promotion by NASCAR, iRacing, and everybody for a private event. Uh, that's what's so cool about it. But uh, Brandon Cattell uh, won the race. And uh, like I said, I enjoyed the broadcast. They had this cool thing where 
they always had the Barney cam where they show the flag man every time they go back to green. Superstar. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And they also had Kim Kuhn as social media reporter, and they would show her up in the corner, Kim Kuhn, and she would be reading what, you know, Freddie Kraft is saying on Twitter about the race, and it really gave it a NASCAR tie-in. I loved it. She's the one from the Blaney's podcast, right? Right. Yeah, and she does garage reporting, or not, she does pit road reporting for MRN as well. Okay, that's what, okay, that's what I know her from, too. Okay. And uh, Justin Malillo, he put up a tweet that you found, Greg, of uh, a quite a good Photoshop job. That was probably the the when I first came across this, I'm like the Photoshop, uh, the way he felt and, and the way, you know, it just kind of like in that picture there, it's like he thinks he's on he's on top of the world there. And that's, you know, to win that race and uh, to take his picture of his car and Photoshop it over Dale Earnhardt's car in 1998 when he was going down pit road and every member was, uh, high-fiving him. It was just, I, I, I think I, I titled it Photoshop when your Photoshop's on point. It was on point. Yeah. You got Brandon Cattell's car. Uh, like you said, Photoshopped as he's getting high fives from everybody on pit road. Uh, what a, a cool moment for Brandon. I'm sure. Heck of a race. I What I was impressed by when I was watching it was, man, they're side by side, but not just for the first few laps, but even after five, six, or seven laps, they're still side by side at Daytona. Now, I've raced those cars at Daytona, and you could go side by side for a lap or two, but when those tires give up a little bit later after that, you can't run the outside, or at least I couldn't, and these guys were doing it, and uh, they were wheeling those cars. Trust me. That is the hardest combo to drive on the service. Yeah, I've raced that car too, and it is a handful. I I just can't believe over all like I can believe, but over the whole process of this and Landon and everyone involved with Landon did a great job with this event. But once again, like in iRacing with the sim, the cream rises to the top, right? It, it always rises to the top. Yeah, there were a bunch of there were tons of Coke drivers in this race, but you also had William Byron, Dale Earnhardt Jr. were also in there. William Byron uh, ran very well. I understand he, I think he led the most laps, but he got caught up caught up in one of those late cautions. Like it's it, it it's awesome that they get that uh, Landon did this because he was one hell of a promoter on all this for the whole last couple of weeks that this has going been going on. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Justin Melillo uh, put up on the racingexperts.com his write-up about the four, Firecracker 400, basically like a race review uh, with pictures and text and stuff. Great if you want more information. And so here's the uh, final uh, call. He says, as Bryant moved back to the bottom, Martinez was there and both got sideways. Bryant saved it but lost his momentum. Cattell regained his, passed him back, and drove across the stripe to win the entire show. But they were wrecking behind them. Yeah, it was a pretty neat event. Um, I can't wait to see what Landon's got up his sleeve next. Uh, he's really hitting on all cylinders here. So we did have a patch come out this week. Um, at a glance, there's a couple of new tracks for AI and a lot of road car uh, balance of power adjustments. 
and that's mostly it. Yeah, pretty quick patch. Uh, one thing I noticed on audio is a jet flyover volume was increased, so you can hear it, I guess. Yeah, I think something in my settings has ma is making it not happen because I'm not I'm not hearing it. Okay. Uh, yeah, lots of minor tweaks. Yeah, there was a glitch with with the render ini file with virtual reality but the overwhelming majority of the list if you go down i'm not no there's no need to read every individual change but they made a lot of adjustments to the tire models and balance of power to m many of the road cars they left the porsche alone thank goodness the 919 that is i think they added a set for pocono 2 for the up cars if i'm not mistaken a week too late Right, that didn't make sense. <laughs> well, they know what they need to fix after the week's over, right? So at this time of year, uh, David, you're a tank top kind of guy, aren't you? Uh, more like sleeveless, but yeah. I, if it's just because I'm during the summer, I'm not working, so you know, I'm just coming home. I go work out first and then hang out the rest of the day. Well, it sounds like Steve Myers is trying to get NASCAR uh, NASCARism. Uh, to wear this shirt, uh, I guess. Uh, I don't. Does it say what track they've, this photo was taken from? But the uh, fan in the track has an iRacing, an awesome iRacing tank top uh, in the virtual world here, and I don't understand why they wouldn't market this and try and get this out there. People would buy this. I would buy this. Take my money, right? Yeah. Right. And it sounds like NASCARism will uh, do the same thing. And he's wondering why they're standing in quicksand, though, in the picture. I don't know where this is. I'd love to know where this was taken. Looks like they're on the beach or something. Now, I've looked at the fans. I've gotten in a camera and kind of looked at the, through the crowd in detail, but I don't think I've ever seen this guy. It looks like a really, like, that is an awesome design shirt. Like, it would be you would stand out in any if you wore this to any NASCAR is anybody that's a um, you know and a fan of iRacing would definitely know exactly what it is definitely so so it's basically a tank top of the iRacing logo like the with the driver the white driver with his arms in the air his arm is like literally one of the uh, t part of the parts of the shirt going up over your shoulder and it's like a giant logo made into a t-shirt it basically uses the whole shirt. Pretty cool looking. I don't know yeah, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have been on their actual merchandise website for iRacing, but it's it's pretty underwhelming. This would this would be their best looking shirt by far. That's one thing that they haven't seemed to try and take advantage of yet. Maybe they've done research and there isn't really a huge market for it, so they're not. I mean, it's expensive to to build up inventory that might not sell, right? Yeah, but you would think they could do sub that out to like a third-party contractor who who takes care of all that stuff and just you know NASCAR just gets a little of uh, off the top. Why wouldn't they like what you're saying? Why wouldn't they work with NASCAR and sell it on their store? Like that even good point, right? Why if NASCAR was so into it, like that uh, that shirt or that logo that they had for the uh, the you know the cup car the cup racers while they were in quarantine. That would have been a shirt that probably sold with the iRacing logos and stuff. Yep. Well, speaking of merch, I found a merch website. Uh, it's teespring.com, and the name of the 
The subsite at Teespring is Sim Racing Merch. And if you go there, uh, you'll actually see t-shirts. Uh, we have an NR2003 t-shirt. You got another one that says Semi-Pro Fake Race Car Driver. Now, I think my wife said that would be the one for me. Um, I also like the other one that says, I am the caution. There's another one that says, put it out with a big yellow caution uh, flag on it. I'm just here for safety rating. World's okayest sim racer. Let's take it easy Alien. on turn one now, guys. That's got to be in there. If it's not, they missed one. I don't see that one. Yeah, they missed that one. Problems was another one. And they got us a mug, too. You can get a mug. It says, I'm just here for safety rating. Mike, I know what your shirt needs to be. It just needs to say Mike check. There you go. Gotta get your merch. Who likes the BMW? Anybody here race the BMW? Been in it a couple of times, but most of the time I prefer to be in that Ferrari. Well, looks like they're coming back to Spa for uh, on the 5th of July here. Uh, the 120 Cup race or the 120 Cup is what they're calling it, of Spa. Um, it's going to be at 1,300 uh, GMT. Uh, it's 120 minutes long, and it needs two drivers uh, with $4,200 in money and prizes. So this is coming this weekend. It'll be Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, it'll um, be Sunday so, morning about the same time as NIS. So definitely get out there and uh, enjoy spa in that car yeah you got a little promo video to go with it they put up i think we talked about this last week but yeah it's this weekend and uh boy there's money on the line guys get it and another thing that you can jump in on this weekend is a sprint challenge esports sprints challenge it's um for the porsche esport and it's for uh, open to anybody that's not currently in the tag hewer esports super cup uh, it's running in the Porsche Cayman GT4, and it's like any of the other super sessions. You basically can run week, run races all week, and then the top so many point scorers get to run the big big race at the end. Yep, and uh, that's also our reminder about the Porsche Esports Super Cup does start this week at, I think, Nürburgring, and uh, looking forward to seeing those guys run. I'm going to definitely be following that. And uh, Brian, maybe you can help me. Uh, we can review those races as they go through them. I think it's a 10-round series, and it starts uh, this weekend. And another thing in this item, we have a tweet from iRacing. There's, there's 1,500 cash on the eSports Sprint Challenge given out every week. Yeah, I saw them promoting it on iRace on their Twitter and they're trying to get people to get involved in this, and uh, they want some more drivers, obviously. Okay. Well, it's happened. We finally uh, finally witnessed the uh, AI doesn't know what they're doing out there on the track. Uh, Samuel uh, Ryan, Raymond um, posted a very interesting video. I guess it's just an AI race that's he someone's broadcasting, but 
the wreck. He, he, the broadcast, I think, is kind of a joke. I okay. mean, he, he added the broadcast okay, so he's to added after make it feel like a real race, right? I, I had it on low, so I didn't I didn't actually hear what was going on because I was always watching it. Um, but at Watkins Glen, when you go up through those S's, <laughs> one of the one of the cars crashes. And it just is on, or two of the cars get into each other, and it just goes on from there. And just they keep piling in, and it's like no slowing down. And uh, Alex, staff member Alex uh, Saunders posted on the, in the forums here goes, disobeying local yellows. So obviously, uh, he thought it was pretty funny, just, just the amount of wreckage there in the uh, formula car there. You know, I think they've actually made an achievement here because the AI is driving just like they do in IMSA every not every race now. Well, that was some what do we call it? Arca breaking? Yeah, well that's what happens in IMSA. They, they, nobody slows down for the yellows. Because it's an opportunity to get spots, right? Yeah, and there's ne- you know, any there's never because there's never a full course caution, all any time you give up, you don't get back. It's gone. That's right. What a wreck. That's right. What a wreck. And he shows all kinds of different replays of it, too, of the various cars getting involved. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things, like you said, up through the S's there at Watkins Glen, where it's it's almost a blind spot, and you don't know that there's a car wrecked there, but you're at full speed, so there's no way you're going to miss it. So I got further in the video here. So he was in this race... Uh, and he got in the wreck too, so it wasn't just. So he was just as bad. He's he's way back and into this wreck, and he shouldn't have. Been. No, <laughs> it's quite I, funny. I've seen several. Actually, that I mean, seriously, that looks like the beginning of several IMSA races I've been in when they were at Watkins Glen just last week. I love watching these videos though coming out. This so the crazy. AI does piles up into a big pile of rubble, and then they just keep piling in as pe- tracks. You know, cars come around the track, right? It's like they're not registering anything in front of them on the line, in the racing line. What's the AI stand for? Artificial idiots, right? There you go. That'll be perfect to match up for us. All right, let's keep moving. We're getting into housekeeping notes. Uh, Don't forget show notes. They're included in the description of the podcast as a link. It's actually a PDF on a Google Drive where everybody can go and uh, look at everything that we're talking about. The other cool thing I've realized is you can be in that Google Drive and do a keyword search like pedals, and you can find every time we've talked about pedals in these uh, documents, click them, it comes right up. Uh, What a resource. Uh, Don't forget we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. And with that, uh, we'll go to hardware software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. In hardware software, first we have Travis Brown on Instagram showing off his new rig. It's a T1000 from Racing Simulators. It's about almost 8,000 euros in price. That's up there. And it looks like it should be motion, except I watched a couple of his Instagram videos and I didn't really see much motion. Yeah, it's definitely motion. This is the Pro Sim U. And if you look at the first picture, you'll see the bottom underneath the seat goes left to right. 
Okay, I th- I th- it doesn't have lateral. I guess I'm used to seeing the lateral slip. Right. It looks like he's got Fanatec pedals on there. Maybe the DD one or two on there too. Nice Sparco seat. Nice triple monitor setup. I'm sure yeah, he's got a video as well. I'm sure he's enjoying it. And Bobby, I think, might be proud of his wire management. I liked his lighting that he did in his room with, uh, you know, he's got the walls lit up like a purple and he's got the rig kind of glowing green. You know, I, he's got some uh, interesting lighting effects. I also try to do some lighting effects in my office, but uh, he, he does a really good job with it. Nice looking rig. When I saw that, I was impressed, but that uh, that's a lot of money. So you mentioned pedals. Um, Mike, you've got really nice pedals, but what about these that we're showing here next? Well, the pedals, we've talked about these a hundred times, but I can't keep, I can't stop talking about them because other people are talking about them on Facebook and on the forums, uh, you know, because people are asking, what are the best pedals to buy out there? And and uh, there was a thread somewhere, so I grabbed a couple links, and sure enough, uh, the one that people talk about is simtag.eu. And uh, if you look up there, it's a price is 3,012 euros, so 3,000 euros, and they're hydraulic. Um, it's called the Ultimate Black Edition. They got the Tilton uh, pedals, hydraulic uh, brake. Uh, throttle position sensors by Bosch. Cosworth dust and moisture proof connectors. So, but a lot of people were saying those are the ones. And they're more expensive than the PC that's probably running them. Yep. And then another one was Racework. But you spell the word work, W-E-R-K dot com. And uh, they have some pedals as well uh that are up there <laughs> 1680 euros cheap uh, they are sold out but they're uh, obviously hydraulic as well this next one looks wicked yeah this is called a yaw vr motion system it was sent in by a listener um brian mccubin something like that i don't know but it's uh it was a review that I found on Boosted Media YouTube channel. What it is, it's a 360 degree of yaw motion system designed for VR. Uh, it, it won't accommodate a, a monitor. So yeah, it's a VR only. And um, it's priced around $1,500. It's, it's, uh, it, it reminds me of a big green egg. Yeah, you just take a big green circle and cut it in half and put a seat in it. It's basically what it looks like. Um, there's a, there's a little foot pedal at the bottom. I don't know if you could even put brakes on it. And there's a, uh, there's an attachment you can use for a steering wheel. And, uh, there's some videos on the website. It looks like a, a violent ride that would probably throw me clear out of, but, um, uh, it's, it's an interesting looking system. Looks like the seats from men in black. <laughs> yes. I'm- I've had a better now. I've had a better look at it though. I'm worried about uh, handling any of the stronger drives because it's not very sturdy. Yeah, I don't think it would take a direct drive for that for sure. Um, to me, it looks like it would be uh, more ideal towards like a flight simulator or something like that, or or maybe a toboggan simulator. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it, the racing video does not look like it would be a fun experience. 
you could uh, simulate that you're at the fair and in the tilt whirls. Exactly. Yes. It looks like a saucer snow sled that you sit in. You know, the big round shiny one. Yeah, you can you can do a simulation of uh, of Christmas vacation with Chevy Chase running down through the woods. It's unique. Every time you think you, we've seen every freaking motion rig design in the world that you could think of, you see something new like this, like, wow, where did this come from? But yeah, I don't know if it's ideal for racing. Even though they have a video of a guy racing with one, uh, it looks pretty violent. Yeah, I think I think I would I would get sick in that. All right, nice find, Brian. So now we're going to go on to our next which is the probably we've talked the most about this direct drive wheel because it's taken the longest to get to us, right? So VRS, the direct force pro wheelbase is going to be shipping in the US uh, in the next couple of weeks. So what they're going to do over the next coming days and weeks, um, they're going to start sending out uh, email invitations to the US reservation holders to place their orders. orders. Um, it'll expire within 48 hours. Uh, if the order is not placed uh, and the reservation will be put on hold and then the next rev reservation holder and the queue will get it. So if you guys get your um, thing from VRS here and you're waiting for your wheel and your, if you're one of the reservations, make sure you keep an eye out because um, you only got 48 hours to do it. And it looks like they're going to be, uh, they're going to be ramping up the uh, production so they won't have to do this and you'll be able to just purchase uh, by the end of August, September without uh, them falling behind in orders. Yeah. Why don't you click into uh, their website where you can buy it, which is $799. And then uh, that's just the base and the power supply. And then they have a mounting bracket at 49 and a hub adapter at 49. So that's the only three things they sell. They don't have a wheel to go with it. <laughs> they must know that I'm from Canada. I got NA for the price for everything. And notice, uh, one thing I noticed is the design of the wheel and the power supply. This power supply thing, they have a couple cables between them, is massive. It, you know, it's like a full rack mount, big uh, thing that you got to put somewhere. That's one thing with my my DD1. I don't have anything like that. Well, well, are you looking at the actual computer? There's an actual computer tower there. Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, the, What's hooked to the? Uh, okay, so that's why I'm the power supply confused. may be that smaller box next to it. I was actually uh, contemplating getting one before I wound up going with that Fanatec uh, podium wheelbase. And, uh, yeah, I can't imagine still waiting for that. I mean, because that was three, four months ago I picked that up. Well, you didn't, yeah, you you didn't have to go waiting. through the back order with, with that, though. Yep. All right. I want to talk about uh, a H-shifter. Uh, this one is the Frex.com, F-R-E-X. And this thing is a beast. We've, we talked about this a long time ago, but uh, it's japan i think and it's forty nine thousand eight hundred uh yen i guess you would call it but uh this thing is is freaking cool the way it looks i mean what do you guys think it, i mean it, it's got this real mechanical look to it but it's got these buttons that i have no idea what they do um what do you think i've looked at this one and by the way that's about six hundred dollars us 
Uh, it looks pretty neat, and it looks like I guess you would mount it kind of sideways and have to reach out a little. I'm not sure about the mounting for it either. And I do want to know what those buttons do. That's what I was going to say, David. It, it, the mounting looks like it's too far away from where you're actually putting all the stress on the H panel, H pattern, where it would move around and jostle around as you're doing it. I don't know. Yeah, there's a clamp on the on the opposite side of where the handle is, is what you're saying. Right, and it looks like it's about a good six inches away from where the actual shifter is. Yeah. Pretty cool-looking shifter, go if you're into the H-shifter. Now, with the cup cars potentially going to paddle shifting, I don't know if I'm uh, I'm worried about having an H-shifter. I, I kind of gave up. When I gave up the G27, I gave up my H-shifter. I gave up my H-shifter when it constantly kept messing up on my Fanatec shifter. So I just switched it to sequential mode, and I'm just used to that now. So you use the actual sequential shifter on the H pattern? Just put it in sequential yeah. mode? Okay. Yeah, and it it just uh, I still like doing that better than using the paddles when I'm in a stock car, um, because if I use the paddles to to move my brake bias around, which I actually do change a lot throughout the throughout a run. And that's why you're in the top split. Barely. <laughs> All right. What do we got next, David? We have an SRS shake kit. This comes out of simracestudio.com, and it looks like it's kind of like a bag that I guess you strap onto a seat, or you actually can sit on. Put it over the back of the seat? Oh, it's a cushion. It's a vibrating cushion. Yeah, you sit directly on this thing. It's like a haptic pad, I guess is what they would consider that. And it's got six shakers. I'm wondering how uh, comparable it would be to the G-seat. I don't know if it pushes far enough out or just shakes. I think it pushes. Yeah, I think it just vibrates. In the in the website, it compares itself to, you know, the, the difference between this and and like using a butt kicker, uh, vibrating LFE system, and they just they just mentioned that it's it's akin to a six a five point one surround system because it vibrates in different different areas as opposed to your whole rig shaking with like a, a like a butt kicker would do. That's, Very intriguing. That $329. Yeah, that's not too expensive. My biggest concern would be the, the fact that I'm always running right. Something on my computer keeps running out of resources uh, and causing me to lose frame rate after about half a day. So I don't know if I want to install any more software. Um, I know that um, Steve Thompson from the OBRL uses a system similar to this. I think it was Realtius is the name of the company he uses. Um, and he, he's a big proponent of that and uh, thinks it works real well. Yeah, but you got to remember that he was one of the only people to actually get a product shipped to him. There are many, many people who bought that product who never got it. You're right, and actually, one of the other members of OBRL um, just got one delivered after over a year. So he, he had pretty much written it off as a, a lost cause, and and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he got a shipping notice, and it showed up a couple of days later. So I don't know what this deal is with that company, but but uh, maybe they're starting to, to start send out some product now. I would rather buy from sim racing studio now we've talked about them before they, they these are the guys that do the wind machines and all that um and they have this new product the they call it the srs shake kit plus 
I'm intrigued. Uh, but for 329, you just kind of throw it on your seat and you sit on it and plug it in and good to go. Well, one thing you don't throw on your seat is this rig. Um, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this, Mike. <laughs> this is obviously a Tony. Uh, this would be a Tony rig review. Yeah. Um, so anybody that uh, plays their PlayStation, um, think of your controller, and think of it just mounted in front of you where your wheel would be. Maybe. I don't know, say a foot, maybe a foot and a half away, and uh, taking, <laughs> I'm going to try and describe this, I guess, again. Anyways, taking the controller and, or taking a, probably a, uh, it's a rod that's attached to a steering wheel that as you turn it, turns the analog sticks left and right so that you it steers the car or whatever you're doing for it. And then these two long metal arms are connected to the back of the controller on the triggers for the acceleration and braking. I mean, it's quite an ingenious uh, thing to do. Um, I'm guessing the reason he built this is because he had all this laying around um, because it looks hard and complicated to do for, it looks like it works, but it, the video is, <laughs> it's interesting to watch. It is something. Uh it's all welded together and metal. I, obviously, the person who made it's a welder, but functionality, it, it works. I mean, he turns a wheel, it moves the joystick to the left, to the right. He hits the pedals and it actually pushes the triggers on the plate on the PlayStation controller in a functional way and uh, very ingenious. It's a, so, so when somebody jerks around in a race and says, are you racing with the controller? What do you say? <laughs> sort of. I'm just trying Maybe. to figure out what his thinking behind this was because the PlayStation or the Xbox wheel isn't an expensive wheel to to get nowadays. So I'm just trying to. It obviously had to be just you know someone challenged him to do it or something. I don't know. Could have been a science project, or it could have been those materials were cheaper for that person if they're in welding than getting the wheel. I mean, great job and and great thinking on it. It just it's it works and it probably makes him happy if it if it helps him race and stuff. But uh, good job. Absolutely. All right, I got the next one. Uh, this is a company review of a website, Wooger W O O J E R dot com, and they have a strap on tactile device uh, you know audio device that shakes you they have two of them they have the strap if it says for gamers and music lovers on the go and it's basically like a belt with a big old belt buckle and that belt buckle apparently is some kind of bass transducer that uh, will vibrate your body uh, to the music so to speak and they uh, show somebody like running and jogging with it kind of thing or listening to music and they just have it strapped around their waist. But the cool product is the one that's called the Vest. And it says for gaming at home, VR, movies, and audio professionals. And it kind of looks like a life jacket vest. Like you'd go, you know, in the ocean with or something. Or a water skiing. And you strap this thing on. Uh, it might even look like a bulletproof vest. 
and uh, you plug it into the computer and uh, it's got the tactile uh, transducers all throughout the vest uh, on the front and the back. So it's basically instead of a subwoofer, you have a subwoodger. Woodger, yeah. So it's six patented uh, haptic transducers with a frequency response between 1 and 200 hertz. Um, There's two on the sides, two in the back, two in the front. It has a Texas Instrument built-in headphone amp. Uh, You have a headphone output. Pretty freaking cool. Uh, It has batteries, uh, or you can plug it in. Weighs four and a half pounds. Expensive. How much was it? I didn't see that. If you go to the buy now, it's the pre-order for the the vest thing. I might got this wrong, but um, in Canadian dollars, it's five or... Uh, hold on, maybe it's wrong here. Uh, it's just their Kickstarter here. Oh, sorry, it's not that. It, it was the wrong price. So it's 100... Here you are, 329, 329 what I US, see. there you go, 399 There's a whole bunch of different, different options packages. Here, yeah. That's not too bad for a vest, though, I guess, 329 Well, yeah, the Kickstarter scares me off, for sure. It's Indiegogo, actually, but same thing. They've got uh, 20,000 backers for the Kickstarter. Yeah, the way they describe it is like if you're at a concert or something and you're standing near the actual speakers and it's vibrating, you know, vibrating you inside, basically. Well, if you've ever been, like, for me, I've been, in my, a lot of my life, I've gone to car meets. Like, if you've got those big sound systems, they try and put the girl with the long hair in there and try and get her hair to stand up. It's like that. It's, it's, it's the amount you'll feel your body t- feels, right? be interesting to see how it feels like when you're in a car driving and eye racing like what would you feel and would it feel natural i don't know that is the All challenge right, that. sorry that is the challenge with almost so much of this hardware um i would i, I guess i'd want to get to a convention or something and t- try some of it out because you know that's a big some of this stuff is a big investment before you know what it's really going to feel like yep Okay, let's keep moving. Let's go to results next. NASCAR iRacing Series. Uh, Pocono, let's finish up last week. Uh, Tom Dryling, he ran Thursday fixed at P5. Good run for him. Friday open, we skipped because what? Oh, we had the K9 race, uh, the charity race. Uh, boy, our cars looked good. What did you guys think about how we ran? They looked good at the beginning of the race. Most of the cars did. My car was still kind of intact. If holding on by duct tape and stuff is considered intact. I ran up front a bit and mixed it up in the top five and made some moves and uh, felt pretty good about my showing, but got caught up in some wrecks that weren't my doing. Um, But I had a good time. Yeah, it was fun, but we definitely, none of our cars finished, uh, finished clean. I had to come from the back to the front two or three times, and then I was I was coming up at one point, and somebody just just uh, made a mistake and took me out. I just seemed to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time, trying to get through the field. I just 
Mike, you made some moves, and I was watching you in the front there, trying to do what you're doing, and 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 judge what you were doing, and compare it to what lines moving. But every time you got in a line, it seemed there seemed to be something that stopped that line or whatever. I don't understand how that race went with the way that things were going on the front. It's, no one seemed that they could push past the leader, but it was a good uh, it was a good race. I mean, I think I was the top finisher from the iRacers Lounge podcast the iRacers Lounge podcast guys, but that was but only because that was only because most of you guys were on your lid coming across the line. Yeah. The second line was not was not staying in the second lane a lot. Uh, in fact when I did get finished off, the second lane slid all the way up and I went I took it three wide and the guy just came right back down into the second lane even though he was all the way up by the wall. I wanna and I, I'm sure you guys Put this i want to thank all the obrl guys for showing up and um the the what's the other this the uh the radio um burning burning rubber. Rubber radio. Burn radio. Radio. sorry i'm they was drawing a blank by the burn rubber radio for throwing putting it on and <laughs> and all the and all the people burn radio radio radio. shut up david uh and just the fact that we were able to the podium uh, broadcast i went back and watched it afterwards that is one of the better podcasts to watch. One of the broadcasts to watch. Sorry. Yeah, they do a great job, and uh, I, it was it was fun. I had a good time. I screwed up. I, I I got wrecked, and I had to use my reset. And then when I came off pit road, I spun coming off pit road and hit the inside wall, and uh, that gave me a little damage, which kind of messed me up. I felt kind of embarrassed. Let's keep moving. Sunday open. Uh, David, you got wrecked or taken out by an impatient hothead. Yeah, you know, the with the tire situation at Pocono, some people might get stuck out with old tires. Uh, and even if you leave enough room and you still you still get run over, what do you say? Uh, destroyed both of our races. I, f I finished somewhere, kept running, but yeah. Just got taken out early in lap, like lap 18. Uh, when I wasn't even trying to race them. I didn't, if I had realized so few cars were going to take, not take tires, I would have gone in the second time around, but you don't get that choice anymore. Okay. And then Brian, you ran with Tony Rochette. You got P30. Yeah. I, um, it was my first race in, uh, open setup. Um, and I won the pole, which was shot. Right. Yeah. And by a lot, by almost seven tenths of a second, I figured something must be going wrong. So, uh, but I, I did stay in the top three for the first 25 laps. I was taking it easy, making sure the setup was, uh, comfortable for me. I'm not used to running open setups. Um, and you know, all the fixed stuff is always really tight. So I was just being really careful. So around 25 laps in, I went in to get tires and it shuffled me back to the middle of the field around 15th place i started moving up with the fresh tires i got up to eighth place and um, coming off of turn three a car a couple spots in front of me got loose at the exit of three he ran all the way down to the pit lane wall came all the way back up and smashed the car in front of me and i wound up t-boning somebody and it wound up blowing my motor out damn tough tough break there but a nice pull good way to start out uh tony rochette got a p11 he said semi-fast, got caught speeding in pits twice, once for losing it out of three, and second was just on the exit after serving the first penalty. I was actually right behind Tony when that happened. He um, he got loose like the guy who wound up taking me out, but instead of going you know going down and come back up, he just went right into the pit lane at at a hundred miles hundred miles an hour or something like that, and, and that's how he got his penalty. 
Okay, and then Greg P9, but overheating with eight to go. Yeah, I got, one of my problems I found in this race is I was getting through the tunnel turn so much faster than a lot of guys and trying to judge it and get through some of these guys and then they're going too wide going in there and it slows everybody down. And I've ran up on one of the guys and uh, crunched the front of the car, the nose in, and I guess it was enough where it was bringing me up around in the last caution we had. It was We went to green with eight to go and I, I was running and I thought, okay, it went up to like two, 280, 282 and then st stopped there for a second. And then once I got behind the cars, it's, it kept creeping up. So I was at 290 and then, so basically I was letting out down the straightaway to keep it from going any higher than that. And I did that for the last, of those last eight laps, I did it for six or seven of the laps. And then the last lap I raced and I made up two more positions. I think it was in, I think it was in like 11th or 12th there, two or three more positions I made to get into ninth with, uh, without trying to blow up the car. Yeah, you probably could have got more if you didn't have that heating. Uh, all right, let's go to Indy. Uh, boy, it's the Brickyard, I guess. It's full distance race, right? Wednesday fixed. Tom Dryling got P22, running fifth place off turn four on the last lap. Got bumped into uh, into pit lane. Oh God! Got caught for speeding. Put down to the last car on the lead lap. Ooh, that's tough. On a long race like that too, three hour race. Uh, Wednesday open. David top split P15. Yeah, started off very slowly. I had a bad early tire strategy because I listened to uh, somebody who's like, oh, save your <laughs> tires. Um, and as you just heard when Evan was on the show at the beginning, uh, everybody was taking tires if they were more than 10 laps old. Um, so that, that first stint, I went ahead and topped off so that I wouldn't be stuck at the front again, but I didn't take tires and I was I was running like 31st. And if the cautions had not fallen my way, yeah, I would have paid for it. Um, we did have a caution though, right as the leaders were starting to kind of get close. And then on even tires, I worked my way back up into the top 20 on the long green flag runs. Then the carnage started. Um, I, I avoided several of them, made it up to eighth on one of the last restarts, like second and third place got into each other and it killed everyone. The entire track was blocked. And so the final laps, everybody from 10th to 20th, it was a race to see whose broken car was less broken. Yeah, you were crawl, you were just like disabled almost, yeah. but you stayed in it. You didn't pit or anything. I didn't pit or anything. I finished 15th with 1800 RPMs on the, on the dashboard crazy when the leaders wreck like that yeah that was crazy listening to that but the pit strategy like you said it did catch you off uh, you you did what i told you to do i think tom also said that too but it, we're like stay out save your tires for later in the race but it, it almost bit you yeah it's in this fuller length race eight tires for the most part was enough especially if you had a green flag run um, in fact, the one we finished later, I think I had four sets left. All right, I ran, I got a P15. I was not comfortable with this track in this set. I don't know what it was, but uh, I was up on the wheel the whole time just to keep the car under me. Uh, tires only played a factor at the beginning. Now in my split, we didn't pit on lap 10 when there was a caution and the entire field stayed out. So it was just opposite what happened with David. But, um, I ran more like 20th all race, but I, I got a top 15 due to attrition. So 
I'll take it. I'll probably run tomorrow night uh, and see if I can better it. Tom Dryling got a P4. He said, long, long run, only two cautions. Started P22, worked his way to the top 10 by the first caution at lap 35. During the next three green flag stops, was able to work myself into the top five. Caution 10 to go. I'll take a top five with a 100% race. He loves the full length races. Wish there was a season for it. Ooh. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's a long season. Thursday open, David, uh, top split, uh, P12. Yeah, and it was actually a lower strength of field, so it didn't pay as good a points as the 15th. Uh, I think I might have gotten an eighth or ninth. Uh, I had a top 10 car, but on the second to last run, I got distracted by the guy in front of me and dinked the wall uh, in one of the short shoots, and that definitely hurt the speed for the rest of the run. Held on for 12th. Can't hit the wall. Tony Rochette, P6. He was pissed about this. He said, second best car all race, led laps, but one car had it that much better. Two to go in second. Uh, <clears throat> caution comes out, waited all track for a car to pass me. He gets past me just before I pit and still get a black flag for passing WTF. Tony really wants to get that double for the uh, cups and Indy cars, doesn't he? Well, it's a you know this is a big event, the Brickyard 400. I think he was he got his Indy 500, so he was trying to get his Brickyard. He was close. That would be very let's, impressive, though. <laughs> let's talk official. I ran NASCAR Legends, Darlington. Oh my God. I went into practice. I couldn't keep it off the wall. I couldn't even get a lap in. And then I jumped in the race and I didn't touch anything. P4, baby. Man, I'm in, I, I, I feel so confident when you drive that car and you get a top five at Darlington. Oh my God, it was something. I was so happy. If you can drive that car at Darlington, you can drive anything anywhere. Well, exactly. That's my point. Is I, I'm so confident after that. But all right, and with that, we'll get into uh, final thoughts. Uh, Brian, uh, we'll start with David Hall. Watch my stream, mix or twitch.tv slash mixmage. Don't That's, do it. Oh, come on! It's with one X. Yep, Mixmage. Uh, uh, you got a lot of cool stuff on your stream. I was checking out the other day. Yeah, I, I reinf reinf formatted everything to try to get the cobwebs out get everything running smoother uh, most of it's running smoother there is something some piece of software that is leaking memory uh, and it and the sound and and the oculus start to have a lot of jittery laggy issues after about a day or so a reboot seems to clear it um, if I look on task manager can't tell what it is um, clear and resetting almost every piece of software doesn't seem to clear it either but overall, it's running good. I've added JRT uh, um, Spotter to the stream, even though I can't see it in in the uh, VR. But it it's fun. It's exciting. I'm I'm pretty much regular now in the top split. It's it's weird because I can remember back in the old days, every NIS race, it was kind of like, all right, who am I gonna see? You know, is it gonna be this person or and half the names I'm not gonna recognize? Now it's literally almost like league racing. Everybody knows everybody up there. 
Very cool. I love your JRT visual spotter on your stream because it's almost like red alert, red alert. A car is about to go around David and it kind of gives you that, that, Hey, something's about to happen. And sure enough, you know, the thing lights up every time you're around a car. Yeah. And you can see if I'm, as we're side by side, which car has the momentum. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love it. I race with it all the time. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, just getting ready for uh, my league race here tonight at Indy um, in the uh, iRacing uh, Stock Car Association. Uh, looking forward to it after last week uh, getting wrecked out five laps in um, by some stupid moves, I guess, in it. But uh, yeah, so if you want to come watch, uh, you can follow me at uh, Frozen Cactus, uh, Frozen with two O's, Cactus with two K's. Um, and uh see what i can do i feel pretty confident this week uh about it and <laughs> we'll see how it goes all right get it uh brian mccubbin thanks for coming on the team to uh and joining us here in the iRacers lounge we look forward to having you every week and uh what are your final thoughts um i'm just really excited to be here this is a really great experience um uh, I, I need to. I'm going to be work on my uh, social social media stuff. I'd like to add a Twitch channel and all that kind of stuff to to be a little bit more accessible. Um, unfortunately, I well not not unfortunately, but right after this show, I'm getting ready to go on vacation, so I'm, I'll be out for the next week. I'm sorry to leave you guys for the after one week, but um, I'll be back right after that, and I'll be uh, excited to be back again. We're happy to have you. Enjoy your vacation. Um, my final thoughts. Uh, wow, I got my Asus bezel-free kit uh, with optical microstructures, they call it. And I finally bit the bullet. Uh, Tony talked me into it. And uh, damn it, Tony, I spent $110 on these. But what I got Pure was pressure. two pieces of plastic. Yep. And two little clip, you know, four clips to hold them. And... Uh, the instructions, there weren't really any. They gave you a cutout of a of a protractor kind of thing that showed 120 or 130 degrees. Uh, and you're supposed to, I guess, move your monitor to match that. Well, I did it thinking, okay, I'm going to install it like it says. And when I did that, it spread my triples out really, really wide you know, with really bad FOV. And I was like, ah, I can't do this. And I tried it that way, but it still didn't work. It didn't hide the bezels at all. And so I just put the FOV back where I normally have it, where it's right. I stuck them on there, and I just sat in the seat, and I moved them back and forth, little by little, until I got it just right. The whole thing about them is it's very, very temperamental. It's you got to position it just perfectly. And uh, the other thing I noticed is, it might be perfect with your left eye, but with your right eye, it's a little off. So when you look at it with both eyes, it kind of has, uh, kind of blends together, so to speak. But it works. I ran with it last night. Uh, the way I have it positioned, the bezels are pretty much missing. Uh, it does kind of give a zoom effect for the stuff you see behind it. But... So far, so good. I kind of like it. I, is it worth 110? Probably not, but I'm going to keep it. And uh, looking forward to that. I'm also kind of thinking about my next purchase. I'm going to think I'm going to start doing the butt kicker thing. So 
I, I've, I've had those for a little while now, and I think it's I think it's a really invaluable uh, input that that you don't get from without having it. When when I run it without it now, it it doesn't feel right. Everything feels like it's it's not not everything feels off, if you will. Yeah, Tony Rochette recently got his set up, and uh, he's doing some stuff with that, and so it kind of sparked my interest again. So. We'll start looking at that, but uh, yeah, if you want to try these bezel things on your triples, go for it, man. If you got the right angle, uh, it does work. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.